is anyone looking for a way to avoid their family during the holidays? They should just go ahead and become a sports writer. Yeah, it's even better than being a coach. You might have to coach on like Thanksgiving or the day after or something. But if you're a sports writer, you can get that whole weekend off. You just got to just convince your family you need to travel for work and uh, bye bye in-laws. Yeah. Hey, you know what? It, it's a rough life, but that's the way it is. Yeah, it, it's, it's called the grind for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on this week, it's a little bit less of a grind for some of us. Hey, how about we talk about some sports? (laughs) Hello and welcome to Lone Star Sports Daily, the mediocre at best podcast episode where we stop counting. That's right. My name is Corey Hogue, freelance sports writer for Dave Campbell's Texas Football and the Times Record News. Find me on Twitter at Corey Hogue Sports. Joining me again is Brian Schroll, employed by NBC Sports. Find Brian on Twitter at Brian Schroll. Uh, we stopped counting this week, Brian, because my math was always a little bit questionable on this anyway. So episode numbers really aren't that important. No, we don't care what number it is. We're just going to do it and yeah. If we get to 100, we'll be surprised. If, if, I get, if we get to 100, you know how many hours it's going to take me to count the episodes that we have? <laughs> I will inevitably start counting and then get lost and have to start over at least five times. Yeah, I think that's a minimum. <laughs> yeah, it is a minimum. Hey, this is the Thanksgiving week. It's a great week, and mainly because... Well, sports. We love sports. That's what makes Thanksgiving so great. You've got the Maui Invitational. You've got all the Feast Week of Basketball. You've got Thanksgiving Day football. High school playoffs are in the third round. FCS playoffs are getting started. D2 and D3 are in the second round. So the big question for you this week, Brian, is why in the world did they choose turkey for this holiday and not something that tastes good, you know, like sausage or ham? Well, this Thanksgiving, you're definitely going to have to go with something a little bit better than turkey because uh, you're not going to be fed with some great NFL matchups because ooh, the Thursday slate is rough. It's Andy Dalton and the Bears versus the winless Lions. It's the struggling Raiders versus the Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb-less Cowboys who just scored, oh yeah, nine points against the Chiefs. And then the Bills, who can't seem to beat a good team against the struggling Saints. I mean, we got to bust out the brats, bust. I mean, make this just a bring the brisket out or something, because, yeah, Turkey's not going to do it this year. Well, it will help you fall asleep and miss most of those games. <laughs> <laughs> but but I really appreciate you talking up my Thursday game that I will be at um, the Cowboys Raiders, which oddly might be the best bad game on the slate Thursday. I hope so. I mean, I, I don't know. The way they played Sunday, the Cowboys better step it up. Yeah, it, this Thursday is not great. I was listening to uh, someone else talk about um, why does Detroit get to keep on playing on Thanksgiving? Why, why, do, we, why do we do this to ourselves? Uh, it's a great question because at 1130 a.m., I don't want to be watching uh, Detroit play football. Well, I bet you, I, I can guarantee you that my, I will be gone uh, around that time. My wife 
will not have on Detroit Lions. She will most definitely have on the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade, which is a very viable option in place of the Detroit Lions. I mean, yeah, you got to see uh, uh, who, who are the, the popular ones. I'm sure there's some Marvel blowups now and, and uh, some kids stuff that I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I got one other thing on this food thing for Thanksgiving. I, I cannot get on to team lasagna, though. Like, I see people go, why don't we have lasagna? Let's pump the brakes on that. Let, let's go with sausage or ham. But team lasagna, it seems to just be, I, I don't think they were making a lasagna on the first Thanksgiving. No, and lasagna is just too normal. You can have lasagna any time of the year. I feel like Thanksgiving, you need to have something a little special. I mean, that's why you you bust out the sweet potato casserole with the marshmallows on top. That's why you do some different things that you don't normally do. Lasagna, you can do whenever. Maybe that's why they chose turkey, because the sides are always the better choices on Thanksgiving. Oh, oh, yeah. Love the sides. Love the sides. The sides are definitely why Thanksgiving is so awesome. Well, in the desserts. Oh, well, yeah, of course. Got to have that cherry pie. Pecan pie. No, no, cherry. No, no, cherry. pecan. Cherry or apple. Cherry or apple. Or pecan. Well, I mean, we could we could argue about this for an hour, but you're not going to change my mind. It's <laughs> cherry or apple. <laughs> and to get your fruit allotment for the year. That's right. I got to have my four servings of fruit on Thanksgiving. It's with cherry <laughs> or apple pie. <laughs> Hey, we, we want to thank you for listening to this. And while we're at it, if you enjoy all this nonsense, subscribe to the podcast on the platform of your choice and also go on and rate it. When you go on and subscribe and rate it, it gets our podcast out there and helps more people find it. Brian, getting into small college this week. Um, my goodness, man. So I was down at Mary Harden Baylor on Saturday uh, Sunday, I had an MSU playoff soccer game at, at like one o'clock in the afternoon. I was tired. I slept till 930 on Sunday morning. And when I woke up, we already had our first college, small college coach fired in the state of Texas. And yeah, Abilene, it happened yeah, fast. It did happen fast. Abilene Christian announced that Adam Dorrell is out will not be returning. They're starting the inevitable national search that, is, you know, we always have to put national search nationwide search. That, that's keywords for, we don't really know where we're going. Um, but <laughs> you got to make the fan base happy. Ooh, they're going to look across the nation. Uh, I, I, real side side question for you. When is a team going to go worldwide search and try to really make their fans think they're doing something special? bringing an international coach that sounds like something you'd only do for like a soccer opening uh, you don't see very many football or volleyball coaches or well, some yeah, basketball but, but you don't see they're not they're not coming from uh from germany or something that that typically is only soccer oh don't get me wrong you're not gonna look across but you're just gonna announce that you're gonna look worldwide so this way the fan base goes wow they really went out to find the best coach you think there's someone in Europe that's like just waiting? They're like, come on, I really want to get to the States to coach football, but no one ever does an international search. It's always just a nationwide search. I know. Like, uh, 
come on, like America's the best place for football, for American football. What's up with that? Yeah, just go get a rugby coach like uh, Ted Lasso. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Back onto the topic at hand. Uh, the Wildcats, it, you know, look, Adam Dorrell was there five years. They didn't quite meet up to the standards. So why is he out? Let's be honest. He was on the hot seat coming into this year. Uh, there was talk that he might be out in midseason. It, it, they, it just kind of one of those things where they need a new voice in the program. Adam had done a great job. He came from Northwest Missouri State where he had won some national titles and coach of the year. But, you know, at Abilene Christian, they have a, one of the best stadiums in, in small college uh, at any level across the world, we'll say. And, and they have a donor base, an alumni base that they want to win, and they expect this football team to win. The football team has not won much since about mid-2000s, but they have an expectations with the money that they put in for the stadium and everything and the facilities they have, which are fantastic. They expect to win, and it just wasn't quite happening there my question to you, Brian, is with the Wildcats, are their expectations out of touch at the FCS level? Or is this one that if they really do find the right guy, they might they, they can come back and, and compete for FCS titles? I think there's a there's a few things to this Abilene Christian situation. So one ACU is competing with obviously a lot of colleges in the state of Texas there's maybe the most of, of any state. I would have to actually look at the numbers of just so many teams at every level. So you're competing with everyone for these players. So, I mean, recruiting isn't easy recruiting someone to Abilene. There's, I mean, Abilene's great. The facilities are great. So there's clearly an investment in the football program. So in that term of recruiting, it's going well. On the other side, for the donors, they're probably looking at this basketball team and saying, we're going to the, the NCAA tournament. We're winning March Madness games, upsetting Texas. Why are we not being successful on the football side as well? And so I think <clears throat> part of it is the basketball team is having so much success recently that it's hard to, to – not want the football team to to have the same amount of success. Um, and then you mentioned it in the poll, uh, but, you know, they're making a transition in administration also. Zach Lasseter coming in, he's about to start on December 1st. So it kind of, there's kind of a lot of things happening um, at ACU that, kind of make this move kind of make sense after five years you know not having a winning record maybe it's time to kind of clean slate get a new president of uh, athletics in here get a new football coach and kind of just restart it I think you can be successful in Abilene yeah I think so too and because look a lot of it is facilities and and they definitely have that. The other thing is, are, are the donors out of touch? In this case, I'm going to say no, because if you put the money into facilities, you want to return on your investment. And that's really what they're looking for with this. They finished five and six this year. Um, 
they did have a they they had a couple good wins. They just a lot of this last year during the pandemic season, Dorrell put a I mean he handled publicly handled the situation with Samaje Brown wonderfully, um, and, and there was murmurs of him kind of losing favor last year during the pandemic, but the way he just handled everything with that tragedy with Samaje Brown and the car accident. And, and it's great to see Samaje is, is able to, to walk again. I, those, those were questions that was hard. Um, but in a lot of ways that really is kind of like if, if Samaje, if that doesn't happen, he was a quarterback that, that they were depending on and getting more than one really outstanding quarterback is hard at any college. And I think that that's part of what played into uh Dorrell struggles this year. Yeah. I mean, any team you, you have a, have a tragedy, lose a quarterback in that way. You're, you're not going to be the same team. And so I, I definitely think that that plays into, into it a lot as we kind of look forward now, I think ACU can kind of take a page out of maybe UTSA. Go with a guy that knows Texas, knows high school football, and can kind of be that that coach's coach. So then high school football coaches are saying, hey, you want to go, you want to go play at ACU for this guy. I don't know who necessarily that could be, but that Texas is not a um a shallow field of uh of great football coaches no there's a lot of great high school football coaches and, and they can definitely if they want to go that route see they went d2 coach i think if i think you're right I, we need somebody really connected to texas tied into texas here but there is a name i've heard floated around and he coached abilene christian before in d2 when they were successful uh, he was the re- he was what they were successful for uh, their most recent time, and that's Chris Thompson. He is currently a tight ends coach at Florida State. He coached Abilene Christian up until 2011, and he's kind of a local guy as far as he's from Vernon, Texas. So not, I mean, a couple hours from Abilene. Uh, he had he's got high school experience. He was an offensive coordinator at Wichita Falls High School. And this name, it just, it, it kind of makes sense. The more I think about it, bringing him back might be exactly what they're looking for. It, it wouldn't, it would not be a bad idea because especially someone who has had success at the program previously, that's something that you can point to, to recruit something you can point to, to guys that are still there at Abilene Christian. Because you also have to get those guys to buy in now to the new coach. And so he can say, listen, I, I know how to be successful here. I've done it before. We can do it again. I think well, that – Yeah, and he played at Abilene Christian too from 91 to 93. He started at TCU in his playing career. Then he played at Abilene Christian. He was an assistant in Abilene Christian. Here's his coaching history, and this, this tells you why when, I, when you hear this, Brian, you're going to understand he's actually a really good fit. He was an assistant at Abilene Christian straight out of college, offensive coordinator at Wichita Falls High School. Then he was an O-line coach at Central Arkansas, head coach at Abilene Christian, 
O-line coach at Texas Tech, O-line coach at Arizona State. And by the way, in 2012, he was interim head coach at Texas Tech. O-line coach at Arizona State for three years. O-line coach at TCU from 17 to 19. Now he's tight ends coach at Florida State. When I hear this, four times he's been an O-line coach. If there's an area you're going to win a football game, it's on the O-line. So why not have your head coach be really good at helping the offensive line? Yeah, and I think that would help some of the young guys, some of the, the young skill guys, too, um, if they can, you know, just kind of bolster that offensive line, especially if they start going out and heavily recruiting really good linemen, you can't, you can't go wrong with that. And so, I, yeah, I think that would be a great fit if, if he wants to come back and um, wants to take the job and if they want him. I mean, kind of start on a, a new slate, but with a guy who uh, has a lot of experience uh, at the school and in the area. Yeah, and he's not the only candidate from that. I, I think there's a lot of great high school football coaches out in the West Texas area who would fit in nicely. Um, I think Cluley at Lubbock Estacado might be another one if you're going high school route. I just think that that's probably the best way for Abilene Christian. Don't try to make a splashy college hire D2 so, Go get someone that, that knows Texas high school football and can bring the guys in, a la Jeff Trailer at UTSA. Yeah, ACU is not a national brand right now, at least in basketball. It's Joe Golding tried to get it going to turn it into a, a basketball name brand. Um, but, yeah, I think high school football coach or, or someone, you know, who has ties to the university who's been there before, uh, it's, it's kind of the best way to go and and then just, you know, work. And it, it might take a little time, but three, four years down the road, you might be really thankful you, you made that move. Yeah, exactly. Hey, it's playoff time. And FCS had their playoff show, Brian, and guess what? Three Texas teams. And they two of them we knew. We knew Sam Houston. We knew Incarnate Word were getting in. Stephen F. Austin really wasn't a surprise in the projections here over the last few weeks that the win over Eastern Kentucky was big for them. The projections had them in, they are in. And in the process, we have history being made on Saturday when Stephen F. Austin travels to incarnate word for a two o'clock kickoff, Brian, it will be the first time two teams from the state of Texas has ever played in an FCS or Division One AA playoff game. We'll we'll get into the actual kind of analysis of this game in a little bit. But can I just why do we keep on having these teams have to play each other? Last week it was Trinity having to play Mary Harden Baylor in the first round. Now we have to have CNF Boston play Incarnate Word in the first round. I mean, come on, guys, you're killing us. Well, this one. FCS is, is a little more open. Now, look, D3 is open. They have a 600-mile rule. So if you're, they're going to try to get teams regionally close. And FCS is very open about it. They want – they're going – first round, it says, they're, they're very clear. The first round, they focus on regional matchups. So in this case, it, it saves money, and it is smart in the long run because – Let's face it, the NCAA is footing part of the bill for this. The schools are footing part of the bill for this. So 
with that in mind, these are extra expenses you haven't planned on in your budget in the beginning of the year. So now having it closer, being able to bus, it, it does help keep costs down for these teams. But what it does do is the next two weeks are going to be Texas school versus Texas school. And um, I know look, we could be upset about it, but honestly, kind of excited. I can't wait to see SFA and UIW. And then whoever wins that one playing Sam Houston the next week, to me, it's like Christmas came a little bit early. Yeah. It's going to be great matchups. We saw it last week with Mary Hart and Baylor and Trinity. It's just, uh, it's something is just different when you're playing another great Texas team in the playoffs, it just turns into a great game. And, and these are set up to be some great games. Oh, they are. We're about to get into those here in a minute, but you mentioned Mary Hart and Baylor. They beat Trinity 13 to three. It was one of those classic football games where the only touchdown was scored with just over a minute left in the, in the game, Brian, it was 13 to three, Mary Hart and Baylor a defensive battle all the way. And really the difference was the running game. Mary Hart and Baylor only gave up 22 yards rushing on 20 carries to the Tigers. And one of the things I want to say about this, because Trinity's defense is for real too. They did a great job of containing UMHB, but there was something I noticed Saturday in this game. And Mary Hart Baylor is not a team that does a lot of blitzing, but they did multiple zero blitzes throughout the first half, especially then in the second half, they would fake the blitz and back out. And P Fredenberg said after the game, that, of course, was part of the game plan because Tucker Horn can pick you apart. You don't realize his arm. This dude's got a quick release. Tucker Horn can get the ball out, and he's got a cannon. It is on a line to these guys. And, and so they needed to get him uncomfortable in the pocket, get him moving, because they knew if you let him sit there that he was going to just eat you alive, and, and it was the perfect plan. Because they were dead, right? Tucker Horn would have eaten them alive if they would have if they hadn't blitzed, but they really kept him confused throughout the game, and that I think was probably the biggest difference was the the scheme and the game plan. Well, and that that's just shows you the film and preparation that the coaches did to know that hey, this junior quarterback, he's no joke. He he is really good. He's one of the big reasons Trinity was in the position that they were in, that they were having such a great season. What, I mean, I'm very jealous of you for being at that game because what a game, a precursor to what Dallas Kansas city ended up being like no touchdown passes, <laughs> but yeah, just a, a crazy game. I think a, a couple things stood out to me. Trinity obviously played a, a phenomenal defensive game. When Tucker Horn threw two picks, they the Trinity defense stopped UMHB, made them kick a field goal. They missed missed twice, missed both field goals after the turnovers. So that was that was huge to keep it a keep keep it a close game. The crew they didn't get into the red zone until the third quarter, and that's when they made a field goal to make it six to three. Trinity played a great game. I think this tells us a lot about the UMHB. They can play in these tough, hard-nosed games. They can blow a team out, but they can also play in a in a in just a battle. And they're okay playing the field position game 
their punter, Jefferson Fritz, five punts for them inside the 20, then they just let their defense play. Oh, Fred, Jefferson Fritz is, is he, he is an All-American defensive back and he's an All-American punter. The guy has an incredible leg. He can just boom it. But there is, I, I do want to say, I'm a little concerned about Mary Harden Baylor. They did miss two field goals. They're trying two kickers. And I don't know that they're worried about confidence when they miss one. But if each of them miss one and then they get pulled, if they miss one, their confidence isn't going to be high when they go out there to attempt the field goal. And the other thing, look, I, I remember the 2018 team. They weren't necessarily the greatest offensive team, but they were better than this team. And I have some concerns about Mary Harden Baylor's chances of uh, getting into the national title game. Now, whether they win this week, we'll get into in our picks, but, but I actually, I do have some concerns if offensively they're going to be able to do what it takes to, to get to where they expect to get to. And that, I think that's a fair statement um, that we've seen them score a lot this year. Granted that was against some kind of more inferior teams, some teams that you're not seeing in the playoffs, but we, I mean, we've seen them score a lot. I think, they just need to put it together. They need to play a good defensive game and their offense needs to, to figure it out. I don't think you can play two, two kickers. I mean, it, it's the same that is said about when you play two quarterbacks, you can't get in a rhythm. You can't, you don't have confidence because if you throw a pick, then you're going to get subbed out or something. I mean, you just have to go with the guy and, and stick with it. And what's, what's interesting is each kicker made their first field goal that they attempted and then they missed their second. Yeah. So what do you, I mean, what do you, well, I don't know what you're looking for now. You, both guys did the exact same thing. You just pick one and move on. Well, in the one that, that Avila missed, Anthony Avila missed, uh, he made a 42 yarder into the wind. And I will tell you in warmups, they weren't making those <laughs> that, that wind, that, that wind was serious. It was moving that ball, um, but Avila nailed it and he had plenty of leg on it. It's it was tough to judge how to kind of pull the ball, especially from the right hash. But hey, there is one team in Texas that did not have those issues, Brian, and that's because they didn't need a field goal kicker Saturday, and that is Angelo State. They jumped on Alfred Greer with a 100-yard kickoff return to start the game. Defense gets a, a hold, and then Zach Bronkhorst, the quarterback, goes 69 yards for a touchdown not even five minutes in the Rams are up 14 to nothing. And let's face it. Minnesota Duluth was in a league. They were not ready for Angelo rolled final score, 48, 14. And those 14 came in trash time, to be honest with you against the backups for Angelo, they dominated and they looked really good. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of over right as it right as it began. When you start the game with a 100-yard kickoff return for a touchdown, um, yeah, that's a, that's a great momentum builder. Um, you know, we, we all thought um, – well, I think all three of us picked Angelo State last week um, to, to win. They are just on a roll. I, and you, you, could, you could see in that game, they're just, they're just playing well. Um, they're now five and two on the season against teams over 500. Um, 
they I, ever since they kind of lost early in the season, they just haven't looked back. They they've learned from their early mistakes and and they're really just on a roll. And uh, we'll we'll get into it in the picks, but I, I like this Rams team a lot. Look at you coming in with a non mediocre stat. <laughs> hey, I try. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, and let's get into these picks, Brian, because we had some separation this week. Uh, I went two and two. You went three and one. And Curtis Quillen, our guest picker last week, ensured that we will never, ever allow another guest picker. And he will <laughs> never be invited back for picks because he went a perfect four and oh. And, you know, I realize we're mediocre, but we got to pump the brakes on allowing other people to come in and show us up on our own show. Yeah, um, I, I would want to see if he could keep it up, but uh, that's a pretty good one week. I'm 10 and three now over the over the past three weeks. Don't need to care about the rest of the weeks, but 10 and three over the past three weeks. Um, so I'm feeling good. I, uh, I think I, I got to tune in on some of these teams now. I'm nine and four overall. I'm a game back. Look, I, I, I knew I was taking a flyer with Texas Southern against Alabama state and they nearly pulled that one out. <laughs> like that game, that game was everything we thought it'd be. And just to go back last week, trendy UMHB, all three of us picked UMHB and they won 13 to three. All three of us were on Angelo state over Minnesota Duluth that came out to fruition. I had Texas Southern. You and Curtis took Alabama State. Alabama State found a way to pull that one out somehow uh, in the end. And then I took Central Arkansas. You took Central Arkansas. Curtis took Tarleton, and he said he took. He said he took it only because he wanted to have a a, a deciding game in there. I think Curtis had some inside information. I think he must have. He must have been talking to someone um, because that it just not not fair. 4-0 trying to show us up on our own show. What's funny is if you listen to uh, if you listen to his podcast, uh, he doesn't do as well. So he had some magic going last week. Yeah, yeah, he definitely did. Uh, and I did let him know. I sent him a message yesterday. He was not allowed back for pitch. <laughs> um, that's just not going to be – we can't be having this. So we get into this week, and, Brian, if you were jealous about where I was last week, you're really going to be jealous about where I'm going to be this week. The game of the week, it's one option and one option only. Number 19, Stephen F. Austin, at number 13, incarnate word uh go ahead and let everybody know exactly how jealous you really are uh yeah going down to san antonio you're gonna get some great food and maybe an even better football game uh i mean just back-to-back weeks of ranked teams playing in the first round of the playoffs just i mean i expect it to be another great game that you just like you saw last week yeah, and uh, hey, look, San, there's a lot worse places to be than San Antonio on a Saturday <laughs> in November. Uh, but let's get into this game. All right, UIW's making their second playoff appearance in the last four years. For Stephen F. Austin, this is their first playoff appearance since 2014. The Lumberjacks' last playoff win was 2009. Incarnate Word has never won an, an FCS playoff game. They only had the one game in their history. 
when I look at this game, it comes down to defense and turnovers. The Jacks allow 4.6 yards per play, Incarnate Words allowing 5.4 yards per play. You look at turnovers, Stephen F. Austin has forced 15 interceptions, recovered eight fumbles. They have a plus seven margin. UIW has forced 14 interceptions, recovered 10 fumbles, plus five margin. It's pretty even right there. When I look at the computer, it gives UIW a 55.9% win probability and a two-point win, which basically just means home field advantage right there. It just means they're that even but look, Colby Carthwell has not forgotten how to win in the playoffs. He won a national title in 2017, went two rounds deep in 2018 at Texas A&M Commerce. What he has done with SFA in three years is nothing short of incredible. The Jacks are the only team to give Sam Houston a scare, and they get another chance next week. Give me SFA, and that noise you hear in the background right now, that's UIW celebrating that I did not pick them. This, it just feels like such an even game. Last week, we thought, oh, UMHB, you know, they're the better team. Trinity will give them a run, but it should, UMHB, you know, should should win it pretty decently. Trinity played a hell of a game and kept that really close. This one, I mean, it on paper is a toss-up. Um, the Jacks hold a 5-1 all-time record. Last win was 2019. Problem is, last time that Incarnate Word won, 2018 in San Antonio. I think if this game's at Homer Bryce Stadium, you got to go to the Lumberjacks. But I've been riding the Cardinals this year, and I I'm just gonna I'm just gonna stick with them. I'm going Incarnate Word. Ooh, we're, we're separated already, and you can't be wrong. Like this, this game is just so even all the way around. And I think these next two. We might be on the same page on this one. It looks like that game is going to decide it because we go now and Angelo State last week took care of number 23, Minnesota Duluth. This week they get number 21, Nebraska Kearney. Kearney beat Western Colorado 31-24. Of course, we know Angelo just demolished Minnesota Duluth. This game's easy for me to pick. Angelo's allowing 2.2 yards per rush. Carney allows 5.5 yards per rush. The only way Carney has a chance of staying in this game is forcing multiple turnovers and the Rams don't turn the ball over. They've only committed nine turnovers this season and are plus 15 in the turnover margin. While Carney has only forced 15 turnovers all season with a plus four margin. Angelo's won six in a row. Each win is by more than 20 points. The Rams roll this week. Give me Angelo State by at least a touchdown. Yeah, I think you mentioned the the big stats. So some some stats for you. Nebraska Kearney, in their big win last week over Western Colorado, they had 281 yards on the ground, 5.4 per, per carry. But in their blowout loss earlier in the season to Northwestern Missouri State, 41 carries for 61 yards. They also turned the ball over twice unless you know somehow they can find some big holes against angelo state the rams don't give up yards on the ground and that's what nebraska kearney wants to do so it just seems like as long as the rams can keep on doing on defense what they've been doing this year they should be fine angelo state feels destined this just kind of feels like a team of destiny right now and so i'm going rams 
Yeah, and by the way, when your head coach, Jeff Gersh, is a defensive coordinator, you're probably going to be able to stop the run game, and they most definitely do that. Uh, So we have one more playoff game that we're going to go over this week, and we're going down Division Three level. Number 19, Birmingham Southern at number two, Mary Harden-Baylor. The game is at noon on Saturday. Brian defense is what wins in the playoffs, and these two defenses are – Really good. Another great defensive matchup. Mary Harden Baylor has allowed 88 points total this year, which is about the same number the Longhorns gave up to Kansas. All right. So Birmingham Southern has allowed 117 total points. 28 of those, though, came in their loss to Trinity a few weeks ago. The Panthers have only passed the ball 198 times, but they've allowed 20 sacks on that. Birmingham Southern relying on their run game. They average 6.2 yards per run, but you don't run on the crew, man. They they allowed Trinity 22 yards on 20 carries. They're allowing, I think, 2.3 yards per rush this year. BSC, they're 10-1 this season. They're only lost to Trinity. I'm not sold on UMHB, though. I'm not sold on them being a team that makes it to the national title game. But the Panthers are going to be 10 and 2 after this week. Give me the crew, and I will believe their national title hopes if they dominate the Panthers. Yeah, I think this is this is the game that they can kind of show everyone, hey, you know, that was just a hard fought game, hard fought win against Trinity. We're still legit. We're still for real. Um it, it, just don't make mistakes. If the crew don't make mistakes, if they can actually turn turnovers into points like unlike they did against Trinity don't miss those field goals score touchdowns um I I think the crew should be fine in this game um their defense still playing great yeah I I just have to I have to go with the Crusaders um the the close loss to to Trinity earlier in the season by Birmingham Southern um I just yeah I I think I think it's UMHB yeah, Birmingham Southern was at home in that game, too. You got to remember that as well. Uh, when talking about that game, Coach Fredberg said he, his first opening statement, quote, this was an incredibly eye-opening experience that the level of play that we're about to encounter has risen across the board. I think Trinity sent a message to UMHB. I think they received it, and I think UMHB rolls this week as well. Yeah, and I don't think – that the crew were overlooking Trinity at all, but I I think Trinity just, I mean, they came to play. Well, they did. And they're a great team. And by the way, Trinity will be back. They, they, um, Jeremy Urban was talking there, the coach there at Trinity. They're not losing, but just a few people, like a handful of players. Uh, They're expecting that most of their guys back next year, they will be back. So to recap our pick game of the week, number 19 SFA and number 13 UIW. I have SFA. Brian's going with the home team. He's going UIW. Number 21, Nebraska Kearney at Angelo State. We're both riding the Rams train, and, and for good reason, they're on a roll. Number 19, Birmingham Southern at number two, Mary Harden Baylor. We both have the crew, and we're both looking to come back next week because that would put us at still – that would put us down to four Texas teams in the playoffs. And Brian, we talk about it as long as they're having weekly games, we're going to have weekly episodes. Gotta love, uh, gotta love the playoffs and a Texas small college football. 
man, it's it's so much fun. It's a great time of year. Thank you guys so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. Make sure you follow Brian on Twitter at Brian Schroll. Find me on Twitter at Corey Hogue Sports. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you found it and rate it as well. That helps get it out there. Brian, have a great Thanksgiving. Enjoy your week here. Enjoy the football. And uh, let's meet up again next week to talk about some more Texas teams. Hey, hopefully you can get some uh, ham or sausage or something and not not some of that turkey. I know you're, you'll be spending most of your Thanksgiving in press boxes, so uh, you'll have to report back on what some of those spreads are. I am not concerned about what Jerry has to offer us on Thursday. I'm pretty sure my Thanksgiving meal might beat just about anyone else's. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. In fact, this might be one of those weeks where I actually take a photo of my Thanksgiving plate at the press box because <laughs> it's not going to be the same thing the rest of you are having. No, not even close. <laughs> no. Hey, remember, let your legacy be him. Thank you so much for listening and have a blessed week.